Hello, world. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. 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 Hi. It's like I've forgotten how to say hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. It is a very interesting time in our world right now. The coronavirus has turned our lives upside down. Um, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions of what comes next, and uh, none of us know. In an effort to normalize and keep a routine, which is so important in moments like these, I am going to work towards continuing the show. It's been challenging, to be honest, to find the motivation for it, but to think that perhaps the show could be a welcomed mental break for someone listening is part of why I do this and what keeps me going. And so thank you for tuning in doing this life thing with me. How are you doing? How are you holding up? I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy and washing their hands a ton. Just crazy, crazy times. But let's talk about something great. Mary Howard planned on being a dentist or a dental hygienist. Destiny, however, had other plans and led her to the wonderful world of production, where she began as a PA and almost a decade later went on to become a UPM. Most recently, she co-executive produced Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu, starring Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington, which just premiered today. Even though she's been in the business for 30 plus years, she is still learning new things every day. The timing of this week's episode is ironic. We recorded back in November. So much of our chat is about slowing down. We also discuss the importance of paying your dues, your attitude and perception, and all the little fires she had to put out on little fires everywhere. Mary's generosity is palpable, and I'm incredibly grateful we get to spend this hour with her. So make sure you wash your hands, grab your tea, grab your coffee, and let's hear from Mary. So I was telling you a little bit off mic. One of the reasons I decided to embark on this journey is as a fairly young producer, but somebody who has done some things, accomplished some stuff in my short, what, what feels long career. I'm at a place where a lot of younger people are coming to me, asking me for advice, asking me for input, asking me for mentorship. And very similar to you, I believe in paying it forward. And one of the things I realized is, well, even I at my level don't have a ton of time to sit and meet and have everybody pick my brain over coffee. So how can I create a place where I can still be helping others understand a little bit more about this business and what we do as producers and then be able to share it sort of infinitely with people and that's how the show came to be. This idea of, can I have these conversations, record these conversations with the fascinating, predominantly women, but you know, people who have chosen this career path to understand why, <laughs> you know, why you've chosen this and what it means to be you and your shoes. It's you as Mary and the career that you've had. And so if you're listening and you want to be in this business and you think that maybe the only career paths that exist are the obvious ones, like being an actor or writer or director, you may have the skills that speak to this profession specifically to producing, someone could hear your story and go, I want to try to mirror that trajectory as much as I can, because one day I want to be where Mary is. And so that's my goal with the show. And hopefully I'm, you know, one episode at a time getting there. So, right. um, you know, it's 
I've been doing this now for about 30 years, um, actually line producing. Um, I This was not my path when I started out, when I was actually in high school and in college. I went to become a, I wanted to actually go into, uh, into uh, become a dental hygienist or become a dentist. Why? That was so specific. I, you know, it was one of these, my best friend's father was a dentist and um, we used to go to all the dental conventions with him. <laughs> and we just both of just, we both decided, we both went to, to college together. We both decided like, let's maybe become dental hygienist because it gives us a quality of life. It gives us a chance to be able to go ahead and to, um, you know, have a balance of, of work and home. And, um, and as I progressed and we were going, so we both went away to college. And Wait, so how old were you at this point when you were we like, were 18. So even at 18, you were like balance of life, quality of life is important. That, uh, yes, Amazing. that's what, so that was, um, you know, and, and, um, and I've been, you know, as I worked from basically 13 years old all the way, you know, mm-hmm. I just did a lot of like, you know, babysitting and things like that. So I've always had it in my, you know, in my blood that I've always, you, know, you obviously have to work hard to be able to get what you, you know, want to do and succeed. And um, as I was in my second year of school, we went to UCSB, my cousin called me up and he was doing um, commercials and public service announcements. And he had a small production company. And during high school, actually, I had uh, um, he, I had worked for him and I had worked for him during the summers and I worked for him during all of our bright breaks. And so I was doing, I was working as a production assistant at mm-hmm. that time. And he called me up and said, I have a, I'm doing a feature and would you like to, uh, like leave school for a little while and come work with us? And I said, what a great opportunity. So I called my parents and said, I'd like to do, I'd like to take up school for a year. And, what did they say? Um, they were fine with it, actually, because it was really it was it was an opportunity they probably never get again, and it was a big film uh, for Universal, and so I left and I did it, and then I decided I didn't want to work in people's mouths anymore, and I also <laughs> decided because I'm a germaphobic that like what is crazy like cra- that is it crazy was, it's, it's crazy so wait so you, but you were already a germaphobic I wasn't a germaphobic but now you became I think one about it, I became one <laughs> and so I'm like why would I so I was and I got hooked I mean really it's yeah. like working on the film meeting all the people. And I worked as a production assistant. Yeah. And, um, set or office? Uh, in on, on set. I was actually as assistant to the producers. And it just, I, it bit me. And um, it was just like, this is so exciting. There's so much opportunity. And what kind of a path do I want to take? So um, I... Uh, then I so I left UCSB and then did all my work and um, did my night work out Northridge and worked for him during the day. We then went on to um, I went back to his co- his his company and worked in his company. And um, I at the time then was 21 years old and the uh, Directors Guild opened they had an open enrollment where you could actually apply and if you had 90 days working as either a first AD, second AD, good old days in the good old days. Yeah. So uh, we applied because we had all of it through my cousin's production company. And um, I didn't even know at the time what that meant for me. Yeah. Right? And I was still, I was incredibly young. And the, and my mentor who was working with me said, get all your paperwork together, put it all in, this can change your world. Yeah. And it was interesting because I didn't know anybody in the business, right? So I had no connections. So the only connections I had was really in the commercial world, mm. even though now I was going to be working with my cousin in the television world because he did his movie and then we were going and then he got, you know, more work at Paramount, at, at television at Paramount. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, um, he got a television pilot for Paramount Studios and it was called Key Tortuga. And again, I worked with him and we finished doing that job and I worked as a, um, uh, I worked for him again as an assistant. The people at Paramount 
out and said to me, why don't you come? We'd love to have you come and work for us. So I became a production coordinator. And I said, I'm going to do that route so that I can then meet people and then continue to obviously, you know, get my name out there. But my the goal was for me, obviously, to get into the DGA assistant directing world. So um, I was very fortunate. I had some wonderful people who worked with us at Paramount. Um, at that time, it was Marvin Miller and Bob Rosenbaum was a whole there was mm. a group of folks and they really they can they were my mentors. And um, they watched out for me and they said, you know, we want what do you want to do? And so they helped me get to where I started. The path, I think that's so important that so many people don't do is I mean, you have to really sort of decide what is your direction that you want to take. Mm. And as a young as somebody who's 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, coming out of college, you don't really know it's basically about getting your foot in the door, right? Go ahead, open your eyes, see it all. So you know, you can work in, in as a set PA, you can work um, in the production office, you can work as a writer's assistant. Um, what is your journey? And I truly believe it, what I'm finding now is that most young folks are wanting to go into the writer's world, right? And so, but what is that journey that's going to take them there? And you find that most of them are working as office PAs, but they don't really want to go into production. For me, I love production. I think it's where, you know, after we get the script, it's where everything happens, right? It's like we take their vision and we put it together. Is that what you love about so it? I love it. I love it. I just, you know, taking, it's like there's so many different pieces that go into that. So so, um, so fast forward, um, after, so as a production coordinator, um, I had an opportunity to go over to an, an interview at Happy Days mm. and to work as, and they want, a second AD position became available. And I went over and I met the first AD and um, got hired as a second AD on Happy Days. And really that was my career path, just took me from a second AD uh, onto other shows, I stayed at Paramount for a number of years. Um, and I then got on to MacGyver as a second AD. They moved me up as a first AD. And then from there, uh, moved into the Star Trek world, uh, was a first AD um, in Star Trek. And um, at that time, it was the next generation. My boss um, got ill, and I took over as a production manager. Mm -hmm. So my career passed. So, so for me, it was just, you know, obviously, going the second AD, first AD, production manager. And, and how many years would that, from that, the happy days to you getting the UPM title, did it take you? Um, eight years, I think. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah, it's about eight. Average. And, and I did it slowly because for me, I didn't want to, I wanted to learn it all, right? I wanted to, for me, I didn't want to jump in and only know how to do half the job. I wanted to be able to, when I got there, I wanted to have every, to have so much knowledge so that I was really good and, and I want to be successful in what I did. Yeah. So, and that's where I feel what happens right now is that everybody wants to, you know, not get the coffee, not go ahead and do, I mean, it's, everybody has to pay their dues mm -hmm. and in paying your dues, it's about learning. That's what's so important to me. It's like, you will get there, but you know, at, and I, and I've had a lot of assistants that I've actually mentored and a lot of them are doing incredibly like now they're line producing and, and, and mm -hmm. executive producing and, and they're and, and writing on shows. And so they have taken their, their path, but it's slow and easy because you'll get there and you don't want to be the person who goes in and basically gets the job in a year, a year and a half, but doesn't have the knowledge. Right. So, and everybody wants it now when I see like, you know, in, in, 
the next generation under yeah. me. Um, everybody wants it. There's an immediacy. Why do you think that is? It's it's social media. It's 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 the new world. I yeah. Think, right. And um, so I tell people, you know, I like it. You know, I will take my old school values and bring those into the world of today. Right. Mm-hmm. But just everybody needs to slow down and. Um, and and again, I'm just going to say it. Also, it's really important for people to so the path so the so the different paths. If you're talking about how to get to producing, mm-hmm. um, so my path was obviously through assistant through through the directors guild and um, production managing. Get so and and having the knowledge of working on the set. So being on the set and seeing what every craft does and what it takes to go ahead and go from. Uh, taking a script, right, writing the script to go ahead and breaking down the script to prepping the script, taking it to the stage, going into the post-production phase, that knowledge is, I mean, it's invaluable, invaluable. right? Mm-hmm. And so, and always in demand. And always in demand. Mm-hmm. And so and fi- you have to find your mentors, right? Mm-hmm. And I was very, very lucky that along the way, I, I had mentors that mentored me at every single path. Mm-hmm. And, um, and always ask the questions, always kept your eyes open, always kept your ears open so that I would hear everything that was going on. So that I was constantly questioning and putting the, the questions, the answers to use. For it to be a great line producer, whether whether you're independent, whether you're in television, whether like you're now in, um, in features, whether you're in commercials, mm-hmm. um, whether you're in webisodes, right? So it's, it's a whole knowledge of what everybody does, because there's not just one piece of the pie, right? There's and and respect what everybody does, mm-hmm. and respect that everybody has a, a piece of that that's going to make the show successful. Yeah. Did you deliberately decide to stick in television or was that happenstance? It was happenstance. Um, I I wanted to stay in town. I didn't really want I didn't want to travel. I've done I did a couple of shows and I traveled out of town and I didn't like it. My my family's here and I didn't like living in a hotel. I wanted to be here. And so I've been very fortunate where I've been able to so television has allowed me to go ahead and to really to stay in Los Angeles. You know, other people love going out of town. For me, it was really I just don't I like coming home at night. I yeah. like, you know, being in my own bed. And, um, and I like being home so I can have my weekends and see my family and see my friends. And that that's that that's a huge part of the value for me. I deliberately, um, as my path went along, it's like I'm not taking a show out of town. Yeah. And I've been able to do it. So talk about that for a little bit, because you mentioned you've been in this business for 30 years. And you managed to have plus. a family, right? 30 plus and you have a daughter. How old is your daughter? She just turned 21. Wow. Okay. Congrats. Um, but as a woman, as a younger woman, I'm curious how that balance was for you to sustain 30 plus years of a career working in physical production for what sounds like a good a good part of it, most of it, which is very demanding of your time. You're working these crazy hours and also having a husband and having a daughter that you're raising. How was that time for you? I've always, I practice what I preach. And um, for me, it was really important that um, whatever I did and whatever I felt, whatever as um, doing with family, that everybody else could do the same thing. Mm. So, so I set up in my world, whether I was first dating, whether I was production managing and really producing now, so that everybody... Um, uh, male or female, right? If they had something that they needed to do with their family, you leave and you go and somebody's going to cover you and then you'll come back. As long as your job gets done, 
even in the middle of the day, if you have to leave for a couple of hours to see your son or your daughter who's performing in a play or, you know, doing that, that you have to go do that because there's only one time that you're going to be able to see it, do that. Um, all my interviews, I went in. And um, so for me, it was like I, my husband is, Merrill, Merrill's job um, at, was very demanding himself, you know, in the earlier years so that we had a, real, a really good balance of the fact that um, during the week he did his thing, I did my thing. On the weekends, you know, we ran our errands whenever we did and then mm-hmm. we always had dinner, you know, so we always made sure dinner Saturday night was a date night and then family night was always Sunday night. As we brought our daughter into the world and as work continued to happen so that my, I set it up with my bosses that, you know, I have to have the balance of being able to go home to put her to bed. Um, doesn't have to be every single night, but it has to be enough nights where she knows, or I have to bring her to school in the morning, or if there's something that's happening at school that we're going to have to be able will be there. And, um, and in the world of, of technology and having a cell phone, and at that time was having a page or whatever, there's always accessibility so that there's always, there's always a way to get a hold of me. It's like never, I was, I'm never the person who is too far. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's how I set it up. So uh, when I was pregnant, <laughs> I, um, I worked for people who understood what it meant to have a family or and understood what it meant to have a quality of life and to have the balance of life. And I taught others mm-hmm. um, as we were going along who didn't know how to do it, what that meant and, and the importance of what that is. And so again, all the way through, I just practice it to this day, where, um, so when I was working on whatever shows I'm working on, and obviously, as, as an assistant, I was, I was already a production manager, um, and a producer by the time that Sarah was born. Um, up until those years, I mean, even now, when I have first ADs who are moms, mm-hmm. or first ADs who are dads, if you have something that you need to go to, you know, we can always have another AD cover for you. And right. so it's about how do you set the system up and make sure that whatever I'm doing, because I just, even I've said that this to, to one of our first yesterday, like I, I do it, you know, if I'm, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go do this and it's not just about me, it's about you too, that I'm going to, you need to go see your daughter, put your daughter to bed. When I was working in the Star Trek world and Sarah was born, um, we uh, we had somebody who helped us. And then during the day, she would say X amount of days per week, she would actually come to the lot. Mm-hmm. And and so that during my lunch hour, or whatever, I would just have them, they would hang out, they would go home. And, and a lot of times would like there's probably two or three days a week where I would actually come home, I would put it, I would feed her, I put yeah. her to bed, and then I would go back to work. So, um, and then my weekends were my weekends with her, you know, yeah. and so and then because Meryl worked at home, except for having to go into the studio a couple of days a week, again, we, we you know, we share the responsibility. And um, I don't ever think today that my daughter ever felt that I wasn't there for her. Yeah. You know? Well, it's interesting so. that you were able to set those boundaries for yourself, you know, at a time when we weren't as accessible, which I think set the the template for you to be able to sustain that into now technology and being, you know, your phone is you're expected to be available 24 seven, which I think for, for my generation, there is this constant anxiety, right? Of like, if I'm getting the email and I'm not responding and I'm not accessible and I'm not this, then does that make the other person perceive that I don't take my work as seriously? 
And everybody I speak to, no matter what, what path or what discipline they're in, talks about this phenomenon of being sort of exhausted by the the wheel the of the it, wheel but not being able to impose the boundaries for themselves with whoever is above them and is expecting answers from them. And how that is what feels like in this day and age, the hardest part of the journey is that as producers, we're constantly... 24/7. It's 24-7. Yeah. And even if it, it's not on your phone, it's in your brain, right. which is the hardest part. You can't, it's so hard to shut, shut that down, down when, right. especially when you are in production or there's so much you're constantly thinking about. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, you seem like a very well-adjusted lady who's very like, you have a very calm demeanor about you. So I'm curious how you've navigated having that much pressure on yourself and anxiety and expectations because here you are 30 plus years into your career and you're thriving right from my perspective of course and you seem to just have a very calm way of navigating through this stuff so I guess the question is what's your secret (laughs) um stay calm yeah um be flexible um have answers right there's Mm -hmm. always there's there's never one way of doing it. And I think it's about what is the environment that you're working in mm-hmm. and what is the tone that you want to set and um, what do you want people to react to and respond to and how are you going to get people to respond and react to you? If you're in a phonetic, frenzied state, that's all everybody's going to see and they're all going to see that the way that the, sh- the shows run is through chaos, right? Right. So for me, when I walk into the room, I, you know, you take the temperature of the room. Um, I've been very, very blessed and um, I, I'm in a situation where I'm working on some very high profile shows right now or have just finished and, and you know, working in having great, great bosses and it's a partnership. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the first thing is setting up the partnership. And it's not about, again, the one person, it's about everybody and collaborating together. Yeah. And, um, and I just had actually one of my bosses just said to me, when you walk in the room, I just go, ah, because Mm. it's, there's a calmness that you bring. And I said, because you don't need in as as chaotic as our world is, Mm -hmm. and under under the time restraints that we have, under the budgetary issues that are every single day that we fight up against. Um, If you stay calm and you have a plan and you have a, to navigate through that plan, a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C, and what's going to work for, what's going to work for the job, what's going to work for the people that you're working for, Mm. and how am I going to drive that forward to make sure so I have to stay calm and it's inside of me so no no, nobody will ever see the churning that's really happening because a lot of that churning does happen all the time yes but if it's a smile on your face as much as you can possibly do and just keep on breathing through it and just it's when you talk about it's in your head all the time and you're constantly thinking so I think my because of my job as assist as an assistant director and then my job as a production manager and this job I think so much of it is about coordination mm-hmm. I don't wait to the last minute I like everything is, is scheduled everything is anticipated everything is thought out ahead of time so that I'm not working in chaos and right. so that's what I think the most important thing is for anybody who's coming into the job and to be a really good producer is don't work in chaos and work things through because it is a process right yeah. it's a process of you know this is okay so what are the priorities that we need to deal with right, right. now? 
what are you know so those are at the top of the list and what do you need to do at the bottom list and I make lists all the time <laughs> I'm constantly updating my list because I have to touch yeah. and feel it and in my my process because it's a way that I, I have to be able to if I write it then it's going to stick in my brain yeah right? and if I rewrite it or if I cross it off or it goes to the next day so that there's a constant and I update my list every single day yeah and um, I, I've, I have to say I have wonderful people who work with me who like really they they keep me they keep me sane and they also keep me like so that I just I don't forget things yeah and what happens is as you know as a producer too you have 17 people coming to you at the same time and they all think what they're asking is the most important thing the most important Mm because all they see is their department versus the whole big picture and that's the other thing as a good producer you're the one who's obviously seeing the entire picture right everybody has their little pieces of the puzzle that need to go into that the whole piece yeah and um so let's prioritize let's see what needs to happen right now and um and just making sure all that happens yeah and and sitting the, the like being a team leader, right? So you're as an again, um, so the different paths that you're taking, no matter what it is, whether you're a PA, whether you're, you know, you've gone through like the assistant director's training program, it's all about your demeanor. And it's all about what I am going to say is that work really hard, you know, mm-hmm. and stay focused. And, yeah. uh, you know, don't get on your computer, if there's nothing to do, always, there's always something to do. And like when my daughter used to say, I'm so bored, I'm like, you're never going to be bored, because there's always something to do. Yeah. At the same time, take five minutes for yourself every mm-hmm. hour to do what walk away from it so that you can clear your head. Yeah. Right? Is that what so, you do? Do you take um, five minutes? I find that it's hard for me. Sometimes I'll actually will I'll actually say I need five minutes to close my door and I'll go ahead and I'll close my door and I'll just just to be able to take all my pieces of paper that are on my desk and to be able to organize yeah. things. The structure for me is all about it's about organization. You mentioned the churning in your stomach and everything that's happening internally. How do you then in your personal life decompress from all of that so that it doesn't live with you? Because I have met a lot of people who hold on to that, whatever that thing is, and they become very bitter, very resentful. They have been, they can be successful, but a lot of times it's, they're coming from a place of just, you feel that energy and it's not pleasant, but sometimes they've, they've been in it for so long or they have the relationships or they've, you know, been with the show for forever. Um, and it's, it's a shame, you know, it's a shame because I wonder if where along the path that kind of cynicism started for them. And if it is a lot of it, you're just not being able to decompress because like you were mentioning, everybody's coming to you all the time with their problems, with their things. So there's so much dumping that happens on the producer and then you go home and then how do you just release all of that? Um, I love acupuncture. I'm the same. Um, <laughs> I love acupuncture. <laughs> having yoga, so, meditation. Yeah, so yeah. 6.45 tomorrow morning having an acupuncture Oh, amazing. Um, I do love massage. Um, and I'll find sometimes I just like to sit on my couch. I call my girlfriends. I have, you know, um, I have three verily best friends. And I have one best friend in particular who also works in a very high profile position. And so that we will actually bounce off ideas on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I then I also just like to be with my family. So yeah. you know, it's like, you know, I like coming home and just hanging out with my husband when my daughter's at college or, you know, calling my daughter and having the conversation. Um, I love going out with my friends. Like last night, we came, I uh, came home, and we just had friends over and we sat, you know, and just we yeah. and um, so there has to be a there. So you have to walk away from it at some point in time. 
even if it's for the half hour or it's the hour or two hours. I have found in the last few jobs that I've had, they've almost been seven days a week. And I'm now trying to teach myself that, okay, like you need the morning for a half hour to go ahead and whether it's taking a walk or, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's getting on the elliptical or whatever that is, um, or seeing at the end of the day, seeing a friend or going to see my mom or what have you. So that's, again, you talk about the work balance of what that is. Um, I find that when our daughter is at school, it's so much easier for me than to just dive in and I can spend like tomorrow. It's like I have so much to do that I'm going to be spending. Like I told my husband, I have probably seven hours worth of work to do. And tomorrow Sunday for the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) But in order for me to have so and I find for me, it's actually easier sometimes to bring my work home with me and to have because you can focus focus and quiet. time. Yes, because the people are not interrupting you with a new task every time. I always think of it like you're juggling all of these tasks, like, you know, those games where you're like cooking a thing, right? And you have like a bunch of little items. And this is like at 17%. And that's at 32%. And you can never finish one of the tasks because someone's always coming in you and giving you a new task. task. Yeah. Never, I mean, that was so great yesterday. I got to my office early. I got there by eight o'clock and literally by 10 o'clock, I was so excited that I had finished three things. And I'm like, <laughs> I literally yelled out to, to my sister. I'm like, I just got three things done. Like I closed yeah. the deals because it's just because there's so many people interrupting all the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, but at the same time, I mean, so again, it's like, is this really important or can you wait 10 minutes? But everybody feels that everything oh, to them it's always very important yeah and time is money right Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. usually if they're coming in it's about like it's it's time sensitive situations that need to be dealt with and it's not only about the show but there's it's about personalities it's about hiring i mean you're when you're a producer you know to especially as a line producer you're managing so many different pieces Mm -hmm. so you're managing you know you're managing prep you're managing production you're managing post-production you're managing um publicity marketing Mm -hmm. um you know choosing you know an actor going ahead and getting a wig made or what have you so there's so many different pieces of the puzzle it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> it's not you know so so again it's about i mean the person who's going into this job you have to be dedicated you have to be organized um and you have to be able to communicate well and yeah. what i'm now learning too which is so interesting is that our world is so busy with so much content that um, there's so many people who are coming in, unfortunately, who are not as qualified as one would want them to be mm. and have enough. So so when you when you're appreciated so much more, I think when you do go ahead and you have that information and you have the knowledge yeah. and, and and you can teach others. Right. Yeah. So. Well, that, that's the, the whole thing. I think the, the hard skills are teachable. The, the thing you can learn you can keep the repetition learning through osmosis like this this producer does this thing this way this other producer does this thing this other way and as you're coming up in your journey you find what What works works for for you you. and it's a little bit of column a a little bit of column b and that's what makes you intrinsically you but the thing that you can't teach someone is how to read a room is how to be tactful is how to understand the psychology of being a leader right and speaking to all different people different kinds of people and knowing that well this tactic will work with my production designer but i can't speak to my gaffer in the same way because he just needs me he needs me to be more direct right whereas this is a conversation this is direct so in that thinking i always say that pas and anybody who works at 
quote unquote, the bottom of the department, they are an extension of the producer. They are an extension of whoever is at the top. Being the person who goes and gets the coffee is a very important job. Absolutely. Because making that person that you're bringing that coffee to happy because you got the right coffee, that's huge. And then one day it won't be coffee. It'll be uh, a prep schedule. You know, it'll be the same kind of intention. But you understand what it is, right? The intention. The intention, exactly. And I think people get caught up in the ego of like, well, I'm just doing this. It's like, sure, but right now. And right now you're doing this and it's going but to it's be a really important job. It's an important job. Especially like, you're, you know, if that's your first job. What a great opportunity because you're going to learn, you're going to be able to communicate with people. You're going to, you yeah. know, so, and then you're, you're, you're starting a task, you're finishing it. Exactly. Task, and, and honestly, on that task. the way that someone treats that task says so much about who they are and where they're going. You know, I just had an experience with a PA who we sent out for a coffee run and one of the, you know, there was a lot of soy latte, which is not that crazy. That was on the order and the coffee shop didn't have any soy milk and he didn't decide to text me or my coordinator to let us know. He just got a black coffee and now everybody got the coffee they wanted except for this one person, you know, who happened to be my DP. And you're just like, well, you could have just, you know, you could have just had that foresight to think, what if this was me? What would I want to receive? And again, a minuscule thing, is that going to blow someone's day? Hopefully not. You know, it can be rectified. We go get another coffee. But the way in which you handle these situations speaks volumes into how you handle yourself and how you are probably going to handle the next rung of the ladder as you climb up and as you continue to learn. Right. You know, I always say that um, I'm take, I'm teaching the master class or I'm taking the master class. You know, I started taking psychology 101 and then I went to, you know, they went to went 201 and then 301 and then I got into the master class and then I'm now doing my PhD. Yeah. And truly, um, every day, I feel like I've learned something new. And I just finished a show um, called Little Fires Everywhere. Yes, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about it. Yes. And um, I had the most amazing producers that I was working with, and we had an amazing team. And I just actually had dinner with one of the producers, and I just, I said, every day we learn something from one another, right? And Which is the was, best. It was amazing. Yeah. And, um, and so that's what I try to teach others, is that walk away every single day. And, and here's the other part about it, is that, we're all going to make mistakes, right? Mm. And and this is a huge thing for me is that, you know, every day um, something is going to happen. And well, on this particular show, we're like putting out little fires everywhere every day. <laughs> every day. I love Seven it. Seven days a week. It was amazing. <laughs> but it didn't matter if it was like if somebody made a mistake, just own it, right? You know, it, it, it's okay. Because by the way, I've made many mistakes along mm-hmm. the way, and I will continue to make mistakes. And and at the end of the day, what did I learn, right? What was, I take the good with the bad. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, and you just, I'm so sorry. I was, it's my fault. I made the mistake mm-hmm. and own it. And I, and I tell, and I try to teach that too. I teach it to my daughter. It's like, you don't have to make excuses. You don't have to cover it up. Covering it up is worse, right? right? Just own it. And then you'll get an incredible response from people. Right. Well, and, and you don't arrive knowing everything. And no. even I would, I would say someone at your level, I could look I at you and know. go, she must know all these things. There's new challenges 
changes every, every day. Every day. You know, every no matter day. how many times you've done it, yeah. how many times you've, even if you've had the same fire to put out, you're using different tools to put out the fire and every time. I just did, you know, my show was all about fire, right? And literally, <laughs> yeah. there was so much that I didn't know. You know, how do we go ahead? And if we want to go ahead and we want to burn elements, what does that mean? You know, so, you know, what do we need a fire stage? Do we need to go ahead and you do you have to treat the, the, do you have to treat every single one of the elements a different way? All of that was brand new information for me because I had yeah. never done it before. How exhilarating though it was to fantastic. live in a, and have a career where you're constantly being challenged constantly. to grow as a person, as a, as a professional within the team. I find it very rewarding. Right. Well, I think, and also as in, you know, I talked to my daughter and her friends all the time about this is that the job of today is not going to be the job of tomorrow. Literally what you're learning now or what is happening with right now in three or four or five more years, that is going to change and adjust, right? Yeah. It's almost like we laugh about, you know, that like when, you know, I grew up with, with, with records and then I grew up with CDs <laughs> and eight tracks and, and then, you know, in DVDs and then all of a sudden everything is now streaming. And so, and so things, they change and adjust. And what you have to do is you have to get, you have to continue to grow and get the knowledge as we grow and things change so that you can change with the times. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, a, and I think that's why for, for myself and for the team that I work with, that we've been very successful that way because I take my old school, my, my learned behavior, and I take that with what is, how do I put that learned behavior into today's society, right? Mm -hmm. Into today's world. And we always say like, we did it like, you know, jumping through the snow and walking 10 miles or what have you. We laugh about it. But when I was an AD, it was myself and literally like one PA and maybe a second AD. Now it's, you know, three second ADs and there's five PAs and 10 PAs and, and I'm constantly, and, and it's just, it's a different world. Shows are much bigger than they were. It's, you know, the different needs of what a show what a show is and I think that's as you go into a new show and the show that I'm learning now like what what does this show need to be successful to be to stay on the budget that we are given right mm -hmm. um, the show that I just finished we thought it was what we we needed certain things and then it turned out to be as we went along realized that you know that needed to change and adjust in order to give us the opportunities of what was needed on the show yeah we have a huge financial responsibility it's also managing not only the crew that you're working with but it's it's managing the studio it's yeah. managing the network it's a lot of managing a lot, lot of people managing the, the the and and how do you go ahead and give your creative producers who you're working with you know what they need and at the same time also giving the studio what they need and so how do you do that a lot of conversations. Yeah. So it's a, it's about, well, I, th I think for us, it's about here's your options, right? Here's option A, here's option B, here's option C. Um, if you have this, it's going to be this. If you need this, it's going to be that. And what the financial impacts are both, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, what it, Also what it's going to just end. And then we make choices, yeah. right? And um, actually somebody just said to me, actually, which is brilliant, I'm going to use it. So I have a friend of mine who uses poker chips now. And years, or actually she used it in the past, where she took poker chips and she had the $1,000 stack, the 500 the 100 the 50s, the 10s, and she put all the stacks out. And when they were talking about what was the most what was the priorities with the, the scenes within the show? 
or the priorities of the show, those went to the thousand dollar stacks, and they, or this is a this is a thousand dollar scene, and then you had your do- and then you had your dollar scene, and it was such it was, for that person it was great because it was such a visual, yeah, and it helped them understand what it would be to go ahead and to do that. So I love um, that it was great, it was great. So so I think that's you know part of the part of it is that it's just sitting down and having the conversation and. On the last show that I just finished, we had conversations every day, seven days a week. You yeah. Know? So um, to figure out what is the best, what is the best for this particular show, this particular scene, um, you know, uh, the ins and outs of it. Yeah. How would you define a producer? Um, it depends on what type of a producer, right? Well, so- let's say define all of them, and then define you. How you define yourself as a producer? Um, define myself in, in the job title? Yeah. Or just, well, ex- so, the kind of producing you're doing nowadays. Um, as a line producer, I think that there's two different types of producers. There's a line producer or co-executive producer or executive producer, depending on what your title is, but with them being the, 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 the line producer. Um, in television. In, te- in mm-hmm. television. Um, you can be the creative. You could be the creative producer who deals with the money, right? Or you could just be the money producer. Um, I find that to be successful, you have to have um, the creative information and be able to rather than just be the money person. And I think that's the other part about it is depending on how you decide that you come up and from, you know, starting whether it's a production assistant and whether it's a a first AD or second AD or production manager, that sometimes those folks only have the nuts and bolts rather than the creative, you know, aspects. So I think it's very important as a producer to understand what creatively the, the needs are of a showrunner, the writing of the show, the person who's producing the show as executive producer, so that, that we're giving them their vision, um, not only from a financial impact, but also from, from a creative situation. So when I go ahead and I'm dealing with um, a room of, of writers or producers, and we're talking about the scenes that are, you know, these are the, these are the $100 scenes, these are the $50 scenes, that what do you want to see? And this is like, I can give you, the, again, I can give you this for this and that for that. So, um, and it's a balance for us as a line producer, because you want to be able to have the um, the relationship, right? You want the trust of the producers that you're doing the show for, that you're on their side and that you're really, that the show it's you have to put your heart and soul into it, right? And that you're giving them visually what they need. And at the end of the day, they're going to, and versus the studio who's, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you can't give them that because it's, you know, you can only give them that. And so again, it's a flexibility of, okay, so this is, this is our pot of money. How do we want to spend it? Right. Right. And having those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you, do you find that there are any misconceptions people often have about line producers Producers as a whole, but line producers specifically. Um, I I think that um, I again am very blessed <laughs> and fortunate that um, I have great relationships with so many, um, and it's about it's about how you present yourself, right? And so, and I think that there are a lot of um, probably uh, perceptions of that um, they're only about the money versus about the creative. I think that's that's probably one of the biggest. Yeah, I would say so. And all yeah. the all the conversations I've had, pretty much, no matter what discipline a producer's in, um, you know, I've interviewed head head of studios or not head of studios, head of physical production departments at studios and indie film producers, and that's ninety percent of the time they answer 
that the misconception that most people have that is that a producer or a line producer just cares about the money or they're right. just about the money or that they have the money or they keep all the money, but it's right. always related to money. Right. Because they always want to come in under, which is like, and for us, it's always about this is the pot that they gave you. Spend all that money. Don't spend it. You know, don't go over. Right. And if you are going over, you know, obviously there's a reason why you're going, you know, are the reasons why you're going over and for approvals, et cetera. So yeah. that we're making sure that we're spending the money properly. Yeah. So, um, and I also think that, you know, the difference for myself um, as a line producer is, and I say that, that we're very, like my team is very hands-on mm-hmm. and the person who I've been working with for, again, so, um, Bridie Cobians are the production manager who I've been working with now for we were both assistant directors together. Wow. When I moved up as a production manager, Brad continued as a for AD. And when I moved up as a producer, he moved up as a production manager. And so he co produces. And so we have so we literally have a, a shorthand with our entire team of our production coordinator, our production supervisor. So we speak a, a language that enables us to go ahead. And no matter where we go, this is this is our system, right? Yeah. And so and I think there's a responsibility that comes along with that as as a production manager and as a producer so that we're helping others, you know what I mean? So that we're bringing everybody into our world. And um, if that makes sense. Yeah, so makes sense. Yeah. How much would you say that producing defines you or has defined you? Like this professional identity of producer, um, does that define you in any way? I, I stay pretty low key. You know, yeah, I really, I think I, I'm, I, for me, it's, it's only defining in that, do I feel proud um, every day um, that I've been able to help um, the production and help the people, right? Um, I think that I, I, it's my job. Like, I don't look at it any other way, mm-hmm. but you've hired me to do a job and I'm doing the job that you've hired me to do, right? And I take that very, very seriously. And it's, I have to deliver what that mm. is. And, but as a human being, um, I'm proud of what I've accomplished. But I also am proud that I try to keep the balance. You mm. know? Like, I don't need to talk about what I do and what I've accomplished. Um, it, it doesn't define who I am as a person, as a person. As a person. Yeah. So. I love that. So if it all went away tomorrow, the producing, it would just be, that was a thing I did and I did I, the best I could. And I loved it. And, and, loved I, it. and I, and I, but I do love it. And, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I, in my, in my years past, I would take time, a little bit of time off right now. I don't because I've been offered like amazing projects that I just can't walk away from, you know, and and I'm moving from the network world into the streaming world. And Mm -hmm. um, it's just been amazing, you know, for me and, um, and for the team who I work with. So so. how has that transition been since you started in very traditional television back in the 80s? And now you've you've been working really closely with Shondaland, and you're working with the streamers. What's that been like for you? Um, I think traditionally, um, it was easier, um, because you would walk in and you had X amount of episodes to do you had X amount of money. Um, you knew when you're when you were going to start and when you were going to finish. You know, you if you were really lucky, you would have a second season and a third season and a fourth season. So I knew what my schedule was going to be. 
as I move into the streaming world, it's a, it's, I think it's harder because you only have a, a finite period of time to do it, right? Mm. So literally, so what, so what we used to have to do in like we, if we did season one of a show and then we, all the way went to season seven, all your permanent sets were up, right? All you were worrying about, you had all your costumes, you had most of your cast, you might be adding another cast member or two or three, or you might be building one more set or two more sets. When you're going into this new world, all your sets, I mean, you start from the, you're starting from scratch again, and you're building a world in a much shorter for eight episodes, right. not 13 episodes or not 22 yeah. episodes. So the pace is a lot faster. It's a lot, um, um, it's we're, we're time challenged all the time. Yeah, everything has grown to times two of what we what our needs were, you know, um, everything just seems to be bigger. But so. do you think it's necessary? Um, I think it's not, I don't think it's necessary if you're having good storytelling, mm. right? Because at the end of the day, it's about what is for me, like, I love the storytelling part of it. And I love the character development part of it. So I think that that's, but again, it depends on what kind of a show it is. And, you know, do you want it to be just um, a character development show that just delivers some wonderful, you know, wonderful, um, uh, wonderful storytelling? Do you want it to be a show that has lots of special effects? Do you want it? So it depends what is the what is the world in which you're creating. So yeah, well, and it's exciting that there are so many paths and so many options and so many different ways to express yourself creatively now. And I think it's an exhilarating time to be a content creator or storyteller but like you said it's so much and i think we're all scrambling to figure out how to pivot and transition so i wonder if this pendulum is swinging a little bit far and then eventually we're gonna come back and find it you know i think i personally think it needs to go back a little bit yeah because it's it's too too, much it's too much it's too much it's like that decision paralysis of watching all the new shows you could watch and then the person just watches like reruns of the office because they just can't but it's also hard for, you know, especially as, you know, everybody's coming into this. It's like what, there's so many, again, opportunities, and I just don't know where to go. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to transition. I don't know what I really want to do. Do I want to do this or do I want to do that? We're talking about producing or you're talking about, do you want to be a content producer of doing webisodes? Do you want to be an indie producer? Do you want to be a television producer? Do you want to go into features? Do you want to go into commercials? Do you want I know. to know like your and, head spins? And it spins. And, and the thing is, once you hit your niche, you know, that's where you usually end up staying. And I think that's why for me, like my world was television. And I know so many people in the television world. And so mine, I had made my niche. And that's where I knew everybody knew who I was, yeah, know, or who I am. So um, but yet, this new world, it's like, you know, again, I'm going out for people I'm meeting, I'm working with people who I'd never worked with before. Yeah, you know, so um, but the gentleman who hired me, I worked with 30 years ago, amazing he was a production executive at Paramount. Well, so, and it's it's another yeah. it's another example of how how small this business is. Yeah. And back to the sort of PA story of tact and integrity and how you're going to be the person how you're going to show up and doing a task, every chance you get to interact with someone, make it the best version of yourself that you can be in that moment in time, because we're all human, we're not right. perfect, right? Well, and also, um, how do you present, right? Mm-hmm. When you come to work every single day, how do you present? And um, when you're given the task, first of all, listening and hearing. So right, and I think that that's so much of the t- thing 
is that so many people don't listen today. Yeah. That listen to what you, is being asked of you and, and finish that task. I tell my daughter all the time, don't give just one option, but give two options. Or th- Again, you, you want to shine, right? And But you don't have to go ahead. It's You don't have to go ahead and... Um, just do the job and people will recognize that, you know, uh, but do it well. And then also let people know what you want to do. Like what, what, what do you want to do when you grow up, you know, basically yeah. and, or what is the path that you're trying to take? And I just had a, a woman come to me and said, you know, I've only met you now three different times. Um, we've had three different interviews. And she said, and every time I've met you, I love your energy. And she said, and I would love for you to mentor me to go ahead. And um, as I'm trying to move up to become a production manager, so that I, you know, I, I would love you guys to teach me, you know, and I, and I said, I would love to do that. So when you need when come in, listen to conversations, ask me questions. And also listen, you know, again, open up your eyes and open up your ears and listen to everything that's happening. And then you'll create your own world. Right. So um, because I think the most important thing is that everybody's so caught up in their own stuff today and everybody's so busy that you it's hard to be mentored. And um, so but you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. So you should have a lot of different mentors. And, and the other thing is follow through. So I'm going to say oh, yeah. too, so there's so many people who don't follow through. There's so many people who, um, if you go for an interview or, you know, you meet somebody, you know what, write them an email, send them a, send them a handwritten card in about a month, write an email back. Right. A couple months later, we've mentored a lot of people that way. Like, what is your journey? So that especially for folks who are interns who are coming in or just out of college and interning or just getting their first job, always circle back because you never, ever know. Yeah. So, and, um, and I have people doing that, you know, whether it's like three months or six months. And I have to say, when I was in the Star Trek world and I had a lot of people who worked for me as PAs or, um, like all of them now, they're showrunners. They're, you know, they're, 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 they're doing amazing, you know, line producing, doing amazing work and, and writers. And it does circle back. So I have a young man who was my, was the, was a PA underneath me. He had just come from New Jersey and I hired him and now he's, he's literally show running two shows. And I just say, I'm, I, I love it. Like when he emails me or he DMs yeah. me and I'm like, I, it just, I, I, I call it, I cavell, you know, so because <laughs> it just, it warms my heart to see where he started and where he is today. Yeah. And, um, and along the way, it's like, again, just, you know, the, it's all about attitude it's all about perception. Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, drive and ambition. And if you want to get there, you can get there. It's just a matter of like, don't go too fast. Yeah. Right? And you're not going to go from from going out of college to one year later thinking that you're a great producer. Right. And if you so, do, then you should revisit. You should revisit it. <laughs> your so, perspectives. I, yeah. 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 Well, before I let you go, I'm curious how your your suggestion and advice, but how when you have been confronted in your career with challenges, you know, in the middle of transitioning, maybe from one tier to another, how have you gotten through those moments where maybe things didn't feel like they were clicking or they weren't going right? Or maybe you had moments where you felt like, maybe I should leave this business. This isn't really for me. If you've had those experiences, how have you gotten through them? What kept you going? What kept you pushing through? Um... Getting advice from others, I guess, would be the best. Um, my personality, I, I do have a type A personality. Um, As most producers and do. So, and, most I'm, producers. and I'm very driven. And I 
do a lot of talking to myself too. You know what I mean? But I do, I will go in and I, I will ask the advice of others who I respect. Um, because I, I, it's never, I'm just gonna say it's never again about me. You know what I mean? It's about what's best for, well, in this particular case, you're talking about me, but, um, I, I've always sort of questioned myself, I guess, in is, does time feel right to do it? And if I don't do it now, uh, will I have another opportunity, Mm. right? Um, or, uh, do I feel like I want to wait a little while so that I can gain more experience? And I've done that when I was moving from a second AD to a first AD. Um, I, um, they want, people wanted me to move up. And I'm like, you know what? I just want to wait another year because I want to gain more experience. Um, I was thrown into the production manager position because my boss got sick. And then all of a sudden they asked me to production manage and produce at the same, actually production manager and first AD at the same time. Wow. And I said, that's never going to happen. That's, I said, yeah, I got that's it. And I, physically impossible. And, yeah. And I said, I was dancing in the fire. You know, <laughs> yeah. I had never been a production manager and I, so I had to self teach myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, and that's the other part I would say is try to get as much exposure um, to, to others to see how you would do your job. So I think it's all about, Find your mentors. Um, if you feel that you're, you know, you're not in the place where you want to be, or you feel like for me, is does this feel right? Does this feel wrong? I always sort of, it just happened for me. I mm-hmm. have to just say, it's like I just, I never looked back, and I never doubted. I guess is the question. You never doubted so, the the journey because my journey's not over. Yeah, right, and my journey continues. But you were never like the coordinator who was stuck just coordinating, and you were like, I'm ready to go to the next thing, and. I it wasn't made, aligning for you. No, you just made the best of it. I made the well, I made the best of it. And mm-hmm. I think and then things happened, right? I found mentors who gave me opportunities. Mm-hmm. And um or I or again keeping all my contacts um and using those contacts and staying in contact with people and letting them know what I wanted that got me to the next place. I'm very lucky, you know. And I yeah. I went through all these years. I mean, when I started in this business, there wasn't a lot of women doing our job. I was the youngest person at the time that got into the Director's Guild at 21 years That's old. That's incredible. Which was incredible, right? And there was very few women assist- assistant directors. And there was yeah. very few women production managers. And there was really like a few women pr- producers. I mean, up until really you think about the last five, eight yeah. years or what have you. I mean, there wasn't a lot of people doing my job. Yeah. So I grew up in that world. And so again, it was how do you navigate yourself in, in that world? So, mm-hmm. And now it's how do you navigate yourself just in general and get people to to back up and support what you do and take you to the next place I mean I'm the first person to say if you have a great opportunity I don't want you to stay here I have a a young man who I just and uh, who I just worked with who was an amazing first AD and just finished the job and he said to me you know he said well I'm thinking if I don't get as a, a job as a first AD maybe I'll go back to second AD and I'm like you are too good do not just hold out, you know, because truly you'll get that job if you need me to help you make the calls or there's something that you're mm-hmm. looking towards. But don't go back, you know, I mean, because that's where you get stuck. Yeah. So that's really good advice. This question comes more from a place of as somebody who has freelanced most of my career and I'm still finding those partners and finding that tribe of people that I can kind of grow with. In those moments of transition, there has been doubt and insecurity and challenges and how do you stay above ground when it seems like no one's calling you for a job and then you start to question and you have women especially have the imposter syndrome of like well maybe I'm terrible at this like you start doubting all of these things that the moment you get the job it clicks in and you're like no this is 
this is where I'm supposed to be. But in that time, um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little better of, of sort of not going to stir crazy with negative thoughts of, you know, will I ever work again? And what does this mean? And why isn't anyone hiring me? And it, sometimes it just could just take a while, you know? I think, you know, um, I think it does. It's interesting. I, um, there was, I, again, have been fortunate where I've been able to go from show to show, but there was a time where, well, it was right after Scandal and um, the first year. Mm-hmm. And we thought we were going to get uh, 13 episodes and we only got six or seven, I think it was. Which is crazy and considering, which, right? It was crazy. Where, where the yeah, show has and gone. And so yeah. I then, so ABC wanted to keep me on. And um, so they they put me out. So I literally went, uh, so there was that period where obviously I was waiting to figure out if the show was being picked up. And I they they sent me out. I had 10 interviews. Didn't get any of the jobs. Wow. And I was, I, I couldn't understand. Like, I'm like, I've been doing this longer than everybody else. It's like, why, why, why aren't I getting the job? You know, and so, so it's, I, I doubt that was probably the first time that I actually doubted who I, you know, like, like, why aren't I getting that mm. job? And then I finally got to the place where there's things happen for a reason. And there's a reason why I'm not getting these jobs. And or like, you know, is it something that I'm putting out there? Or there, you know, people are feeling I was too qualified for what it was, mm. or they were concerned about the fact that, you know, I was possibly going to be going back to scan. Da, da, da. So you never ever and you just you don't know. It's like, you know, it's like an actor who goes in. And, you know, there's two brilliant actors who have have, um, who 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 they're deciding between, and maybe one has because they're they're working against another actor. So one maybe has blonde hair and one has the dark hair, and you go with the one who has the dark hair because you know. So you never ever ever know the reasons why. So um, you just have to keep just keep on plugging along, right? You just I think that's the um, no matter how hard it is, you got to pick yourself up and yeah. um, and make a call every day, or try to make another connection, or go out and meet somebody and. Um, again, trying to find those couple people who are going to mentor you. Yeah, so. I think it takes a, a fighter spirit. You it know, does. it really it takes does. a certain kind of yeah. uh, human who, like I said, either thrives even in the face of like all of the despair and anxiety that can come yeah, of yeah, it. But yeah. like that you really, for the most part, it's like a big puzzle that you never figure out. <laughs> you know, it really is yeah. like how to how to all unfold, how to all put it together, how to make sense of it. Um, and like you said, you just have to keep pushing forward. Yeah. And you have to yeah. really you have to really want it and you have to really love it, I yeah. guess. Right. And um, we were there was other conversations that were happening with a couple of the people I was with the other day. And we've all all of us said, you know, it's because we love what we do. And um, we work in a crazy business, right? And I think it also, because we are all freelance, right? And so you have to have that personality to, can I can I get along in this? And if I do have those hard times or those couple of months or those three or four months or those five months, can I do something else that's going to keep me afloat during that time? Yeah. So, um, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a crazy world. It is a crazy world, so, crazy business, yeah, but thank you so much. Thank you. For the so time. Much. I really appreciate it. No, I love this. Um, this is great. Thank you for thank having you. me on. Of course. Of course. So. And thank you to everybody listening. Yay. <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in and doing this live thing with me. And hey, if you don't already, please subscribe on Apple or wherever it is that you get your podcast. Give the show a five-star rating, write a review, tell everyone you know about it. In these uncertain times, I am so grateful that I have you, my dear listener, to listen to this, ask me questions, engage with me on social media, at Carolina Gropa, the show's at Life with Kaka, and 
please keep me posted. Let me know how you're doing and if there's anything I can do to help. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you next week. Beijos.